Open your Bibles to Matthew 20. I want to kick off a new series this morning called Improving Your Serve, Matthew 20. Can we stand and honor God's word? Look at 2020. 2020. Matthew 2020. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her son. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from the bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he's chosen. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had said, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father, thank you that you didn't just send Jesus to to die for us. You sent Jesus as an example of how we were to live on this earth, how we were to serve and how we were to give our lives. And Father, I ask that you would show us what greater love really is, I ask that you would show us what it is that you've called us to do, and if we're going to reach the world, how is it that we're going to reach the world? How is it that we're going to reach this area, these communities, this county, this world, Father God, show us. And God, I ask that you would meet us here in this place, and Father, I ask that you would show us that the fields are white unto harvest, and you are looking for laborers. And there's no age on laborers, Father. God, I ask that if there are any old hearts in this place, make them new. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Notice in Matthew 20, it begins with the word then. For us to fully understand this passage, we need to know what the word then refers to in verse 20 because it kind of sets the tone for everything else. Then refers to verses 17 through 19. It says as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately, told them what was gonna happen to him. Listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. They'll sentence him to die. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mock-flogged with a whip and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Says then the mother of James and John approached Jesus. So verses 17 through 19 refer to Jesus saying that he was going up to Jerusalem. And because Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, the disciples could have easily believed that the kingdom was now gonna get set up. Oh, here we go. Jesus is gonna be kicking tail and taking names. Here we go. It's all going down. It's all going down right now. 
because that was what they thought the Messiah was. The Messiah was going to come and he was going to set up his kingdom and he was going to decimate the Romans and it's all going down now. Here we go, boys. Must have been why Luke recorded what he did in Luke 19.11. I'll turn there. It says, the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said and because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. And Luke, being a doctor, was given to detail and so he wanted to make sure that details like that were not missed. So, how could James and John's mother approach Jesus the way that she did? Why would she approach Jesus the way that we did? It was a pretty bold move. Well, it's believed in my studies, I found that James and John's mother was the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's got clout. She's got clout. So it's quite possible that the favor being asked of Jesus is done so because of family ties. Jesus is about ready to set up his kingdom and Jesus' aunt comes and says, hey, have your cousins on the right and left of you. And he said, you don't even know what you're asking. So with this as a backdrop, let's see how and why the disciples missed it and what we can learn from their example. In her defense, surely James and John's mom thought she was asking something reasonable. There were none closer to Jesus than the 12, and out of the 12, Zebedee's sons had family ties, and these guys were unparalleled in their passion. Um, Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder in Mark chapter 3, verse 17. Go to Luke 9. I want to show you an example of these guys. They were something special. Look at Luke 9, 51. It says, as they drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem he sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival, but the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, so they went to another village. You gotta love these guys, but I need you to see something. As, as harsh as they were, their passion was for the Lord. It was always in defense of, of the Lord. So where did these guys and their mother miss it? Where did they miss it? Let's just establish some things. Relationship with Jesus and passion for Jesus are great. Wonderful. Relationship with Jesus and a passion for Jesus are great. But they're never a basis for position given by Jesus. Let me say that again. Relationship with Jesus and a passion for Jesus are great, but they're never a basis for a position given by Jesus. Jesus calls his disciples together be, you know, because they're about ready to kill James and John. And he sets things straight. And Jesus notes the difference between how the world does things and how his disciples are to do things. And I want you to look at Matthew 20, 25 through 26 again. 
He said, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader, among you must be your servant. So the kingdom of the world versus the kingdom of God, the world system is about achieving position, power, and influence. The kingdom of God is about being given those things by God. I've heard people say that they must be meant to serve in full-time ministry because the secular marketplace just isn't for them. Well, let's just establish some things. First of all, the kingdom of God is not an employment agency. Um, because if, if it was, then everybody that had a relationship with Jesus and everybody that thought that they had clout would be employed by the church in some way, shape, or form. The kingdom of God doesn't function by self-appointment, but by servanthood. And every time I've seen believers set their heart on position in the church, it always seemed like a fence was sure to follow. And I know I might be stretching it when I say always, and we're, we're told never to use words like always and never, but oftentimes I've seen a fence follow, and I've seen three things result from hearts set on position. Entitlement based on relationship, I deserve this because of how long. Resentment based on achievement, I deserve this because of how much. Or relocation based on recognition, I deserve this because they see, because how they see. They can see me, they can see that I'm something wonderful and something awesome. And Jesus sets things straight among his disciples with a mic drop. He says, leaders are servants. So Christianity, the local church, outreach, you name it, it's all based on servant leadership. Any facet of ministry, it's all based on servanthood. It's all based on servanthood. Even the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. You bet when he comes back, I mean, he's gonna split the sky, his feet are gonna touch the Mount of Olives, it's gonna split, he's gonna walk through the Eastern Gate, absolutely, when Jesus comes back. He's not trying to recruit anybody, he's ruling and reigning, he's kicking tail, absolutely. But when he came, he didn't come to be served. He came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And any time we have an attitude that says, serve me, we couldn't be further from the heart of Jesus. And we're off. And it's wrong. I mean, we might as well be asking what James and John's mom did. Hey, you know, Lord, could... I just kind of secure my position, you know. Can I, I don't have to be on the right, you know, but I, can I be on your left? Even the Son of Man came to serve. I just can't get over that. And Jesus' earthly ministry modeled servanthood from his washing of the feet to the dying on the cross. I mean, he served start to finish. Start to finish. If the local church does anything, it should offer opportunities to serve others. And sometimes we're so busy with our serving that we fail to offer opportunities for others to serve. Sometimes we get so caught up in, in the discovery of how God would choose to have us best serve and how lives can be impacted the most 
We don't extend an opportunity for, for others to serve. I can remember in the early days of our church, I was bringing, I was picking up the pastor who ordained me and he was gonna be speaking and when we pulled up to the then Watt Auditorium, the middle school, I popped my trunk and I grabbed out all of the, the toys for the, uh, the, the, the nursery. And pastor goes, John, what are you doing? And I go, I'm just grabbing, you know, this, you know, tub, you know, for the, for the, for the, for the children, you know. I'm thinking, man, I'm doing a good thing. He goes, John, give somebody an opportunity to serve. You're you, almost like you're serving. Give somebody else an opportunity to serve. I believe there are so many opportunities to serve. I just don't think we're giving people enough of an opportunity. And where do you think the bulk of fellowship and discipleship, where do you think that that all takes place? It takes place as you're linking arms and as you're serving one with another. Man, if you want to build relationships, if you want to get to know more Christians, doggone it, serve, get involved. And I promise you that every area of ministry is begging for more and more and more people. I've never had an area of ministry um, approach me and say, Pastor John, we've got enough people. Please tell them to stop signing up. Never. But sometimes we give the impression that we do so many things so well that we don't need help and so people don't sign up. And I've seen this happen again and again and again. Somebody is so taken off with their gifting, they're not sharing the load. And people look at them and they think, man, they don't need me. And I'm thinking, oh, they do. What I want to tell those people is you see those people working their tail off? Don't worry, they won't be around long. Sign up and you'll soon be in their place because they're gonna burn themselves to a crisp against our wishes. And people have this mentality that they can just go and go and go and go. Listen, you need help to go, go, go. And you need help to last long. And this is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so you pace yourself and you ask for help. Would you take this? Would you do this? I'm probably doing more than I should at times. I should probably be delegating more to my assistant. My wife's always getting after me. Why don't you have somebody do that? Why don't you? And so I'm not saying I'm innocent. I'm still learning. I'm still growing with you. So what we're doing in this series is every week we are gonna have areas of ministry out there in the foyer letting you know what they do and offering you an opportunity to check out what they do and hopefully begin to sign up. Some of you served last year at our ATM and you were passing out candy and popcorn and, and pop and you're involved now in a, in a more permanent position of, of ministry. There are so many ways that you can get involved. I'll tell you right now that there are events that we did not do this year because there was no one that would head them up. Because some of the people had been heading those up and they were such large tasks that we, we, we just couldn't do them again. And I said, I am not burning anyone out and I'm not gonna do anything that people don't have a heart to do. We're not trying to do as many things as we can possibly do. We wanna do what we do really, really well. I'm not trying to, to fill the calendar up with stuff and spread everybody so thin. We want you to know about the ministries at our church and we want you to get involved. We want you to serve others. We want you to, to fellowship. Give your life away. 
Come on, church. We have service one day a week. How many of you grew up where you had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and a midweek service too? Oh my gosh. When I was in ministry, I can remember three Sunday morning services, two night services, and a midweek service, and then Pastor Dan reminded me, and Pastor John, we had practice on Thursday nights. I'm saying, you're right, we did. And everybody came to the time of prayer and worship before practice on Thursday night because God's presence was so strong there. People that weren't even involved in ministry would come to prayer. I can remember Fred, um, you would come on Thursday nights. You just, you, we just, because, man, we just wanted to be in God's presence. And the times have changed. Times have changed, folks. People today, their time is more important and more costly to them than their money. Average people attend church, people that call themselves Christians attend church twice a month. We have people that give to our church and don't even attend. I haven't seen them in months. And yet they regularly give because their time is more precious than their money. And all we're saying is like, don't you have an hour a week that you can part? Is it not the Lord's day? I'm just trying to get him in the door, let alone serve. Hour a week. I always think of the scripture where Jesus told Peter, James, and John in the Garden of Gethsemane, couldn't you tarry one hour? One hour? Couldn't you tarry one hour? I've seen people involved in areas of ministry at this church not even attending regularly. Heaven forbid. I'm thinking, man, I'd rather have you attend regularly, so if ministry's getting in the way, why don't we make some room for some more people to be involved so that you can attend with your family on a regular basis? Wouldn't it be great if so many people got involved that new ministries were birthed to serve others? We're thinking of more and more ways to serve others. Wouldn't it be great? Pastor John, everybody's got suggestions. Pastor John, don't you think that we should do this? And I'm thinking, yeah, great, run with it. I mean, I, I, we, have, we have tons of ideas and things that we'd like to do. Ideas are not the problem. We're not short on ideas. More and more people get involved them. The more and more ways we can reach the community, the more that we can serve people, I'm all for it, all for it. I just don't want the same people doing all the stuff. I can remember hearing Pastor Dwayne said, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I can remember him even saying, shoot, 20% of the people eat 80% of the potato salad. It always seems like 20% of the people are doing the bulk of the work. Man, if we all pitched in, many hands would make light work. No one would be getting overwhelmed. In fact, some people that are doing too much, we should just come alongside of them because we see it and say, don't you think you're doing too much? Don't you need some help? You sure do seem to be doing an awful lot around here. We have ministries and we have groups from infants to senior citizens and there's not a single area of ministry that doesn't want your help and involvement. Every single one does. And wouldn't it be great if you listened to maybe the tug on your heart and you stepped out and you got involved in an area of ministry. And so what we're doing is we're going after you. 
you've been attending a while and you've been sitting there and you've been praying, well, this is why for the next three weeks we're going to have ministries out there in the foyer when you walk out and you can check them out and you can pray. Maybe there's an area that you were once involved in and you haven't been. Maybe there's an area that you've been thinking about getting involved in. And I understand busy seasons and I understand crazy work schedules. I mean, you name it, we've got anything from, you know, educators to corrections officers in our congregation. Um, We've got business owners in our congregation. I get it. I get busyness. I get kids' athletic schedules. I get it, I get it, I get it. But when is Sunday going to become sacred again? When is Sunday going to become a mainstay in the family again? When? When? And shouldn't we, the Christians in the community, show that this day is important to us? Who's going to take a stand? Who's going to take a stand? Who's going to stand up and say, um, we, uh, we work hard and we're pretty busy people. Sunday we want to go to church. So my son, my daughter, my grandson, my granddaughter... They'll get to practice right after church, but we want them to be in church. Who's going to take a stand? And I know it's tough in an area where it's a public school system. And I know it's tough in a dog-eat-dog world if you're a business owner to not work on a Sunday. Who's going to take a stand? Man, I admire places like Hobby Lobby and Mooville that aren't open on Sunday. Man, they take a hit for it but they're blessed. Doesn't seem like business is hurting on that one day they take off. Isn't it amazing how God blesses everything that you give to him? It's almost like he's saying, man, give it to me and I'll do better with it than you ever could. Why don't you trust me with that? Why don't you trust me with the first part of your finances? Why don't you trust me with an hour a week? Why don't you trust me with a little bit of your time and effort? Why don't you get involved? And why don't you begin to meet other Christians so some of the relationships you have in the future are encouraging you in your relationship with Jesus Christ and not stripping you of your relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's what we're going to do this first Sunday of September We're going to close it with communion and we're going to dismiss you to go out into the foyer and check out the areas of ministry. I'm going to do my best every week to dismiss a little bit early so you don't feel rushed, so that you don't feel forced out at all. And so I am going to read the communion scriptures. We're going to have the ushers come and I don't know if we've ever...